So, I knew this week we were going to be really pressed for time, so we're not going to go into Hebrews, which is where we're normally at. We'll be there next week. We're going to be dealing with that fourth passage, that warning passage in Hebrews chapter 10. So, I encourage you to come back and be a part of it. Uh, but I did want to, I did want to share, though, something that for me is kind of the ultimate, the ultimate heart of what we're about, and I think what Jesus is about. You know, in, in life, you have to answer important questions periodically. For instance, like last uh, last weekend, I'd been fighting a little uh, congestion, and uh, and then after preaching four times, and then Sunday afternoon, our, our, our quartet got to actually go over here to Loma, and we did a concert, and then I had pizza with the pastor, and so by the time Sunday night rolled around, I had this massive headache, right? Sinuses were all inflamed. And I re- was reminded of one of the important questions you got to ask in life, and that is, as you're scrounging through that little drawer, that little cabinet that you're nor- not normally in, is what is actually the expiration date on some of that stuff, right? It's an important question. Or if you're nosing through the, to the uh, refrigerator during the week trying to find something to eat, when exactly did those leftovers go in, right? You, 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 those are important questions. But I think the most important question that we ever have to answer is actually found in the book of Acts. It's Acts chapter 16. It, it's, it's a it's a question that's asked by a man whose life has just been upended. And it's just simply this. What must I do to be saved? Now, the background of the story is he's a jailer. Paul and Silas had been beaten by the, the magistrates of the town, thrown into jail. But they're not like most prisoners. They're they're singing. They're praising the Lord. They're not complaining. They're not belly aching about their lot in life. They're not moaning. They're not growing. They're actually praising God. And all of a sudden, God shows up and there's an earthquake. And the jailer, their house would have been just a part of that. You'll see, see that here in a moment. Uh, the gates are open. The shackles have fallen off. And now the really strange thing is nobody's taken off. He's about ready to kill himself because he knows that he will be, he will be, uh, he will be uh, taken, and, you know, if the prisoners escaped, he will be uh, put into a really difficult point. So he's going to take his own life. Paul said, no, 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 we're all here. Come here. And that's when he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? The most important question that you and I will ever answer in our life. What I find fascinating is that there's so many people who have different answers to this. I talk to people all the time. It's kind of like what I do. And what you often find is people say, well, what must I do to be saved? Well, I must, I must live a good life. Or I must be a part of a church. Or I, I've, I've got to kind of turn over a new leaf. I've got to do some stuff over here. There's, there's all kinds of things. And what I love is that Paul takes this very simple question and he gives a very simple answer. And it's found in the very next verse. And he says simply this, believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Notice he doesn't say, oh, hey, listen, you need to clean up your life, right? You need to start doing some better things. He doesn't say, hey, you need to come down to the local church we just started and join that. 
He doesn't say to them, well, you, you need to go get baptized or you need to, to take communion. He doesn't say that. To the simple question, what must I do to be saved? He gives the simple answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's ultimately all that it takes. You see, the Bible tells us that we are all separated from our God because of our sin. And if you took the best man who's ever lived in his righteousness compared to God's righteousness, it's like filthy rags. That's why none of us can measure up. In fact, the reality is if you and I could measure up, if we could save ourselves by the way that we live, by the things that we did, then there was no reason for Jesus to come and die. It was on us. Live a good enough life and you'll do it. The whole reason Jesus came and died was because that could never be good enough. We could never make ourselves perfect. And God's standard is perfection. So the whole point is Jesus came, he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins, he cries out, it is finished, the debt is paid, it's paid in full, because we were incapable. And then they put him in the ground, and three days later he comes out, he rises from the dead, and he offers this gift, this grace of forgiveness and eternal life, of salvation simply to those that believe in his name. Do you remember the story in John chapter 3? Jesus is talking to a, a religious leader, Nicodemus. He's a, he's a teacher, and he's talking to him about spiritual things, and Nicodemus isn't getting it. He says, Nicodemus, to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. And, of course, Nicodemus is trying to figure out how does he get back up inside his mother, and Jesus goes, no, 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 no. How, you, you're not getting this. And he tells him this story. He says, do you remember... When the children of Israel were rebelled against God, again, they're in their sin, they're in their rebellion, fiery snakes, poisonous snakes, came and began to bite them, and they were all dying. And what Moses did was Moses made a bronze staff, and he put a bronze serpent on it, and he lifted it in the middle of the, of, of the camp and said, okay, you get bit, you look, you'll live. You look, you live. You look, you live. Nicodemus, that's what it means to believe in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish. That's why when Paul's asked, what must I do to be saved? The answer is so simple. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, belief is a matter of the will. I choose to put my trust in what Jesus did for me, not what I'm doing for me, or not what a church is doing for me, or, or not in, in the good things that I've done. I realize those things will never get me to heaven, so my belief, my faith is choosing to trust what Jesus did for me. That's the thing that brings salvation. Now, what's interesting is the story continues. The man believes. 
He puts his faith in Jesus, and it says this in verse 33. It says, and he took them, the, the jailer took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized. Why? Well, because salvation is not based on baptism. Salvation is not based on a church Salvation is based on faith. But where does faith take place? It takes place inside of you. It's between you and the Lord. But once you get saved, once you come to that point of faith, what we are called to do is now to identify ourselves on the outside that we're, we follow Jesus. And that's where baptism comes in. Of course, it's that great picture that, you know, we come to Christ, we come as we are. When we accepted him, we died with him, we've been raised in a new life, our sins have been washed away, and now we're going on another way. It's all a beautiful picture. But the biggest thing is, is just, it's, hey, this is what's happened on the inside, and I'm letting the whole world know that I have become a follower of Christ. What must I do to be saved? Get baptized? No. What must I do to be saved? Join a church? No. What must I do to be saved? Live a good life? No. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. And then once you come to faith in Christ, what he calls you to do is to take that Step of identification. I belong to Jesus. I'm going to let everybody know what's happening here. So my question to you today is simply this. Have you come to the point of putting your faith in Jesus? Have you come to believe in him as your savior? The beautiful thing is if you haven't, you can do it right now. I'm going to invite you to bow your head and heart with me. Because this is just really between you and the Lord. He died for you. And if you've not made that decision, you can choose now. Just simply ask him to come into your life, to be your savior, to forgive you. Holy Father, I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that you provided a salvation which was available to everyone. There were no hoops to have to jump through, boxes that we had to tick. We just simply had to come to put our trust in you and in you alone. And Lord, if there's somebody that is here this morning or maybe watching online who has not come to that point in their heart where they have believed in you. They've invited you to be their savior. Lord, may this be that moment as a matter of their will. May they understand they're not good enough to get to heaven. But that because you died, you paid for their sin, you offer eternal life and forgiveness. Lord, that they will put their faith, their trust in you. We thank you for those that have done that. And today, are taking that next step like that jailer did to let the world know. Lord, we pray that you make this a very significant moment in their life, in the lives of their families and friends. In Jesus' name, amen.